Good morning, friends. It's a privilege to be with you this morning. Would you pray with me as we approach the word of the Lord? Bread of life, speak to us. Holy Spirit, illuminate your word. Be present among us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text this morning comes from Exodus chapter 25, verses 8 and 9 say this. Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. I want to tell you a story about roommates. So I remember being out of college and um, I had a house, lived in a house with three roommates. And oftentimes, you know, when you're living with different people, everyone has a different way of cleaning. Everyone has a different way of organizing their closet. Everybody has a different way of picking up their mess. And what I found in the house that we lived in, that the mess seemed to be something that pervaded the space oftentimes. And so because I'm a perfectionist, I was the one, I mean, I'll take the credit for it, that wanted to clean up the space. And so I remember one day specifically, I had cleaned the shower and sprayed the scrubbing bubbles and put the comet in there because, you know, stains don't come out of a tub with four guys unless you put comet down and bleach and spray the walls with the Lysol spray and get the scrubber out and start scrubbing down. And so I had the bathroom and the shower just shining and probably smelling very chemically, which probably wasn't good for us either. But the tub was clean nonetheless. And so I remember I left the house feeling like I had accomplished something and everything was put together, only to come back home to see that tub covered in dirt again. And I was thinking to myself, how in the world did this tub get so dirty? And I called my roommates and I said, hey, who dirtied the tub? Who got the tub filthy and nasty? And no one wanted to take credit for it, of course. And so I ended up cleaning the tub again. And I tell you that story because as we're thinking about this passage of scripture, I think that as we're looking at what God is describing to Moses in the way that the tabernacle should be built, we have to understand that in this moment, God is designing a home. God is designing a place for his presence to dwell. Now, how does that relate to the shower and the dirt? Well, I'll get to that in just a second. But I want to talk about the general understanding that this house, this tabernacle that God is building belongs to you and I collectively. And that was something that I missed in cleaning the tub. I was looking at the tub as something of my own that I owned by myself, but I had to recognize that this was just a fixture inside of the house. In this passage of scripture, as we're talking about the tabernacle or being described as a fixed or movable habitation. It was typically light in construction or a meeting place for worship. In this context, we're talking about the tent of meeting. The scripture says, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. See, in that shower, I didn't feel like I could dwell in that place of muck and mire and dirt because what it represented for me was the filth that we carried. In this way, God is saying to his people, create a place for me to dwell in the midst of your hurt, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your dirt, in the midst of what you're doing. I still want to dwell among you. See, understand that God's plan involves you. It involves me. His kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus was instructing us how to pray. 
And I believe that as we understand this concept of God's kingdom being established on earth, we begin to recognize that the tabernacle that the Lord was looking to have erected was one where he could dwell among his people. We are the tabernacle. You and I, we are the tabernacle. We are the home. We are the dwelling for God to be in. Let's make it personal. You are the tabernacle. You are the portable, earthly dwelling place of God. He has a great plan, but he asks us to respond. And what does our response look like to this call of erecting a tabernacle? What does this response look like for us to erect a place, to create a space for God to dwell? I want to point our attention to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And it says this, we should offer ourselves to God willingly. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Not only was the tabernacle a place of gathering, it was a place of sacrifice. It was a place of saying, God, not my will, but yours be done. We should offer our God, our, our lives to God willingly, saying to him, God, here we are, vessels to be used by you to build your tabernacle to create space for you to dwell. Sacrifice. What does it mean to give up something in order for God to dwell in a space? Well, I think that if we look at the story and we look at the text throughout the, that chapter 25, we see the, the specific instructions that the Lord is speaking and saying, these are the pieces that I want you to have as a part of worship of me. These are the pieces that I want you to have included in the tabernacle. These are the pieces in the space that I want you to have for me. I believe that God calls us not only in offering ourselves to him willingly, but in our willingness to also offer ourselves and to say, God, what we have, we offer to you in the way that you would want it to be received. So we must live our lives with love following the example of Christ, knowing that he has loved us and offered himself for us as a sacrifice. If Christ himself will offer himself as a sacrifice for us, then how can we not offer ourselves as living sacrifices for Christ? We are called to be those that build and dwell in a place of connection with God. We are called to live our lives filled with the presence of God. In creating spaces for God to dwell. Not only is this important for us to understand living a life of sacrifice and giving ourselves to God fully and completely as he requires. But it mobilizes us into understanding that our space is not just within our four walls. Our space is called to spaces beyond the places where we dwell. Beyond the places where we commune. Beyond the places that we call church. See, friends, God is calling us into a space of creating places for him to dwell. He urges us, live our lives in view of his mercy. And the thing that's so beautiful about living our lives in view of God's mercy as it relates to understanding our lives as a sacrifice is this. 
We can never accomplish it on our own. We can never accomplish this task of erecting a space for God to dwell without God's grace and without his mercy there to meet us, without his grace and without his mercy there to guide us, without his grace and without his mercy there to provide us with an outline, if you will, for what this looks like. I believe that Christ is calling us as his people to not forsake gathering with each other. We know the text in Hebrews that says, don't forsake the time of gathering, but realize that we're coming together physically by uniting together. We are building each other up. Not only in that building up of each other, is it about ourselves, but it is about the community that Christ has placed us in. When we tabernacle with God and with each other, we realize that each one of us has value. And in understanding the value that you and I have in the kingdom, we recognize a couple of things. The first is this, that the gospel of Jesus Christ sets us free from our iniquities. The gospel of Jesus Christ calls us into a reconciling covenant, both with God and with each other. It reminds me of an event that took place some years ago. There was a group of people gathering at a church in Charleston, Mother Emmanuel. And they were offering themselves in fellowship with God and each other. And in that space, a young man entered into the doors and joined their Bible study for moments that evening. And at the completion of that Bible study, while questions were being asked, this young man decided that he would begin to take the lives of those that were gathered in that space, in that sacred space, in that sacred tabernacle, in that space that represented home, in that space that people had met with God, in that space of connection, in that space of understanding what it is to be free from sin and bondage and guilt in that space. Their lives were taken. What that says to me And what that says about this possibility of tabernacling with each other is that there is great wickedness. There is, and there are, and will be great injustices that happen. There are things that take place in our society, in our culture, that cause us to question at times, God, is it worth tabernacling with other people? Is it worth us coming together across racial divides? Is it worth us coming together across cultural divides? Is it worth us looking past denominational ties and connections and connecting with one another across a broad spectrum? Is it worth it? I would say this. Let us not forsake the call to tabernacle with each other. For when we tabernacle with God and we realize the value that we have in the kingdom, racism doesn't happen. When we recognize the call that God has given us to tabernacle with him and each other, classism and sexism begin to dissipate. Because our identity in tabernacling is not found in our race. It is not found in our cultural identity. It is found and centered on the blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 18 through 21, the text says, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him 
who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Reconciliation with God is accompanied by reconciliation with each other. One of the leaders at Mother Emanuel shared that at the end of that time, at the end of their fear-ridden Bible study, that they had chosen, they had taken the time and the moment to offer forgiveness and reconciliation to this brother that entered their space, that entered this tabernacle that was beautifully erected and caused them harm. How were they able to do that? They were able to do that because through Christ, we are reconciled to God and to each other. The call is to build a new tabernacle, a tabernacle that is filled with justice and hope, a tabernacle that is filled with love and peace, a tabernacle that understands that reconciliation begins with God. And in that, in that moment of reconciliation with God, we are granted reconciliation not only with him, with God's self, but with each other. For God, who was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Understand, friends, that Christ came to bring peace between God and mankind. And this idea in itself is one that we have struggled to understand. It's not our job to bring restoration to humanity. Christ does that. It's not our job to disrupt and make ways for things that disrupt the building of the tabernacle. Christ has already pulled those things down. What sin disrupted, Jesus restored. What sin destroyed, Christ reclaimed. And as believers, we should be announcing the way. We should be announcing the way of this tabernacle that is coming, of this tabernacle that has been erected, of this tabernacle that you and I have been called to. What is the end goal of this tabernacle, of being this living tabernacle? What is the telos of all of this journey for us? When I think about the closing of the book, in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, John had a vision and he said, After this, I looked and before me there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The tabernacle that we're being called to build is one that not only causes us to be mobilized, to reach people from every nation, every tribe, and every tongue, but it calls us and it centers us to recognize this. Yielding to God's will can be hard. And sometimes it's even more than hard. Sometimes it seems impossible. But when we submit to the will of God, and we submit to his instruction and we submit to his way and we yield our heart and our desire to what he desires. It brings peace. It becomes easier. John saw a vision 
of every tribe, of every tongue, of every nation. And my question to you today is, are you open to God's vision, to God's design, to God's direction for what the tabernacle should look like among you? Because we are not separate. As we've been reconciled with God in Christ, we are together, better together. We won't find the answers to building a temple in outside sources. We won't find answers to building a temple in our own desire, in our own ways. But we will find answers to building a tabernacle, a new tabernacle that is informed by compassion and conviction. A new tabernacle that is filled with life in the spirit. A new tabernacle that says that in this ministry of reconciliation, that all believers are called to this glorious gospel to live it out for real. And in that living out, we are called, friends, to follow God's design, just as he gave instructions for building the tabernacle so long ago. He gives us instructions today for what he desires his tabernacle to be like. And he says this as I close. The first step in building that tabernacle and being mobilized as fellowship of believers and being mobilized as those who understand a ministry of reconciliation, it starts here. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your strength. And don't stop there. But love your neighbor as yourself. With each act of love. With each act of obedience. With each act of willful submission. We can become a reconciling tabernacle. Amen.